Welcome to episode number 61 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Giver, a garage-born outdoors and apparel company. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash giver to learn more. Hi everybody, I'm Stephan Abrams, your host today. I believe if you desire a truly fulfilling life, both personally and professionally, then you must be willing to find a connection with people outside of your everyday circle of influence, which is why I created this podcast, The Jackson Hole Connection. Today's guest is Rose Cayazzo of Rose Consulting and Rose Recordings. Rose will share with us what it was like to live in an area of the country and always know there's something else out there which was pulling you toward it. She always had her wild side, a side which would seek adventure, which needed to be fed. And in 2007, Rose found the perfect place, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Rose was willing to step out of her comfort zone and take a big leap to move to Wyoming and later took another big leap to start her own business in an emerging industry, which we'll learn today. If you ever feel that you can't accomplish something, today, Rose will inspire you that you can accomplish anything you work hard toward. Rose, thank you for accepting my invitation to be here today on the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm thrilled to sit down and share your story a little bit more with everybody. You bet. I'm happy to be here. So, Rose Cayazzo, and a name that we don't hear much here in Jackson Hole, and your accent doesn't really define or say where you are from as well. But let's start with how did you land here in Jackson Hole? What's your connection? Well, I would say first, my last name is Cayazzo. It's a little tiny town in Italy. Mm-hmm. And if we were in Italy, we'd actually say Cayazzo with the hand. That's typically what I say. But it is um, a very unique last name. And when I was a kid, I thought, oh, gosh, this last name is just nothing but problems. <laughs> but now that I'm older, it, uh, it does make me very unique. So I'm, I'm glad for that. I would say my connection to Jackson is this. I am from the East Coast. I'm originally from New York. And I decided that I wanted to be on the show Survivor. So I made this video. My uh, workplace was all for it, too. And um, I wanted to be on the show Survivor so bad. I made this video. It was awesome. I was, like, running around in high heels playing basketball with people in the city. (laughs) There were all kinds of crazy things that I did in this video, like biking and hiking. I was very unlike people, I guess, that were in New York at the time. So everyone looked at me as this kind of oddball, right? Like, you bike to work today? How many miles did you bike? You know, and I was like, oh, it's like nothing. But then when I came here, it was like my people. So I I kind of burned out in the corporate world. I worked in the corporate world for 10 years. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to be a guide. And all my friends and colleagues were like, I'm sorry, what? You're going to be a guide. How how in the world do you think that's going to happen? And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And they said, where are you going to go? And I said, I don't know. And they were like, you don't even know where you're going? And I said, no, I don't. I'm just going to go where they tell me to. And they sent me here. And the first thing I did was cry. (laughs) Because I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to put me in a landlocked region? Like, I'm from the beach. I'm a beach girl. How is this possible? Like, how how is this going to work? Someone told me, hey, you know, people actually go to Jackson. And then they 
fall in love with it right away and live there. And I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I was one of those people. And ta-da! Here I am. I'm still here. And I started my businesses in the downturn. And so just kind of ate out of soup cans for a while to make it work in Jackson, as a lot of people know how that goes. And uh, kind of worked my way up the ranks, so to speak. And what year was it that you moved out here to be a guide? 2007. That was 2007. So that was July of 2007. Okay. So I've been here over 12 years now. And what type of guide? Because there's a lot of different types of guides. Sure. So I came through uh, with back roads. Oh, okay. So bicycling okay. is my passion. All right. I can bike just as good as a man, if not better sometimes. I bet you put us together and you would be biking much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went up Ferens the other day and... Uh, I didn't see any other gals. That's not to say that Farron's doesn't have gals on it, but um, sure, a lot of guys. So you met your passion. You found your passion here in Jackson Hole. Came out here in 2007. And thing about the sideways blowing snow that I just adored. <laughs> was it blowing snow sideways in June, July when you were out here back um, then? No, not, not at that particular time. Okay. So I enjoyed summer thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And that fall turned right quick into winter. We did not have an Indian summer that time. Okay. And I remember thinking, wow, that's interesting. So I was just, I was more mesmerized just by the weather patterns and how much snow came out of the sky and these types of things. Way different than what happens in New York. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. And so then you created two companies, Rose Consulting LLC and Rose Recordings LLC. That's correct. And you were telling me in the pre-show about how you were ahead of the curve when it came to social media and businesses. So go a little bit more into that for me. Sure. Well, originally being from New York, I was still tied to some New York connections and was watching them closely. New York connections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what New type York. of what type of connections That's are these? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching these videos of people that were talking and very passionate about social media. Or actually, it was actually called social networking at that time. Oh. Right? Okay. And so this was the thing. It wasn't really called social media yet, and it was this new thing. There was just all these different platforms that people were using in different ways and it was exciting and new and some people weren't sure if it was a fad and other people thought, well, you know, maybe this is something we should adopt. So you had the early adopters and you had the naysayers and I still remember who they were. (laughs) Um, But the interesting part about that, I would say, is being an evangelizer in the sense of social media, people have all different kinds of opinions about social, even to this day, and I find them all very interesting. Like I went into a client meeting today, and you know, it's almost like people get embarrassed in front of me, like, why, I I just, I'm not on social media, and you know, they get all low in their voice, and I'm like, (laughs) hey, you know what, it doesn't matter, like, it needs to be something that you want to use, and that it's something that's authentic to yourself. So when I work with people on their social media, I like to train them on best practices and how to use the technology, because uh, that's kind of my background. So when I was in my young 20s, I was put in a leadership role, traveling the world, teaching people about Palm Pilots. Do you remember those? Oh, I do. I had one. 
And do you remember when at the mountain resort they used to have the tickets they would scan and go boing, boing, boing. Uh-huh. So that was my product. No kidding. Yes. Cool. It was called the SBT 1800. And so, yeah, all this tech. <laughs> yeah. Bull cocky. But there was also, <laughs> like, all these patents that my company I worked for owned. So Symbol Technologies owned all the barcode patents at the time. And I worked for them. So I got to see a lot of things, and I worked with 96% men. So I had a lot of male mentors, and um, I remember my first day at work at Symbol, two gals came up to me, younger than me too, even, and they sat on my desk like as I was working, and they said, listen, us girls need to stick together, so we're going to lunch today so we can get some privacy and like really discuss what's going on here. And I thought that was a really authentic thing for me as a woman to have other women approach me and say, hey, we need to stick together. And um, I think that's resonated for me throughout my life with regards to making connections with women in business. Like right now, I'm part of the Womentum um, cohort, Mm -hmm. and I am a mentor, and I'm really excited about my mentee and about what she needs and how to kind of bring her up um, in whatever way that she needs, so... Good for you. Thank you for giving back to the community in in that world as well. My wife went through the Momentum mm-hmm. pl- uh, program as well, the cohort program. She had signed up to be a mentee, and they said, wait a second, I think you should be a mentor. <laughs> so she made some great connections. Yes. And I did it first uh, back in 2010. Uh-huh. I was in the cohort as a mentee, and that was as my business was starting to really um, blossom in the social media world. So I got some really good information from some lovely ladies here in town, and um, now I have them to thank for it that I can basically pay it forward. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So the Rose Consulting is about social media consulting and helping businesses navigate what platform, how to do it, best practices. Yes, I also help them hire social media managers. Okay. Um, We work on strategy teams. So we sit and we kind of, you know, do calendar planning, uh, brainstorming, that type of thing. I also help with traditional marketing. I think consulting is the type of business where once someone really understands who you are and trusts you, then they want to entrust you with other items in their business that are important to them that they're not sure how to manage. So if I have the expertise or experience in that part of marketing or in that area, then I can be of assistance. And if not, then I just you know, can um, recommend a colleague. Mm-hmm. Terrific. So you're helping other people uh, grow and develop themselves in in the uh, industry as well. Right. And you know how the library has that saying, like, moved here for the mountains, but stayed for the library. Uh-huh. This is a great little tagline, <laughs> you know. Um, for me, I actually did stay for the community. Like, I was so amazed that I could be waiting online for a coffee and, you know, someone could turn around and you have this, like, amazing conversation. Or, you know, I'd walk into the rafting place and say, like, hey, where do all the locals hang out? I want to go and meet, like, local people. And they're like, oh, go to the brew pub, right? And the amazing people that I would just meet in one night at the brew pub. I was just so amazed by the community here that it was like this this very promising piece of me that was missing where I lived in New York. I was not part of a community. I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of working, going to the gym, 
going to happy hour, coming home, thinking to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. And I was a kid that actually worked, uh, or I'm sorry, I, um, I was wilderness camping as a kid. So I was like full on wilderness camping when I was in third grade. It was like a big deal, you know, all the way up to I was like a counselor in training and stuff. But then my, I felt like this one summer, my life took this turn because I was either going to be um, an outdoor wildlife counselor or I was going to go into New York City and, you know, get an internship. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, I need that internship. Like, I need to do that for my career. And so I went in the other direction. But that piece, that wild piece of me always stayed. And so um, when I decided I was going to be a guide, the year before that, I had climbed a mountain and it, for the first time in my life. And it was no big thing, but it opened up my eyes to everything. And I said to the gal who guided me, who we are still friends on Facebook today, of course, and I said to her, okay. I need to leave the corporate world. Like, I want to do what you do. And she said, oh, yeah. And she started laughing. And I said, no, I'm serious. I'm going to make this happen. Like, how do I do what you do? And she said, well, darling, you only need to do one thing. And I said, well, what is it? What do I need to do? She said, you just need to let go of money. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to work on that. Right? So that's how my progression started with, all right, I need to let go of money. And then I need to see where the world takes me. The world took me here. And it was actually upsetting to me for a while, right? Because I thought, oh, it's landlocked. There's no beach. I don't know what I'm going to do. But then I fell in love with it and fell in love with the community. You you said something very interesting, and which definitely resonated with me because I just visited New York City. And you mentioned how here in Jackson, when you moved here, you didn't know anybody. And you're standing in coffee line, but you can turn around and just start carrying on a conversation with somebody. I mean, you can do that in New York, too. Do you feel connected to the person afterwards? Not so much in New York, but there are very kind people in New York, and I think New York sometimes gets a bad rep. Okay. Right? So when I go to New York, and I'll be at the supermarket, and I'll ask the deli clerk something, like, oh, yeah, don't worry about this. You know, like, I, I, got, I got a piece right here. You could taste it. It's, it's delicious. I've had it the other day. You know, like, they share their stories. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I think the deeper connection here is seeing not the same people every day, but you see them more often, that they're part of your life, that it's like, oh, hey, it's so good to see you, like in this random spot in town. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I just, I like that small town community feeling. I love it too. Mm -hmm. I went from being in Phoenix back to Mississippi back to here and when I landed here I knew that I was I was in my place for sure. And you mentioned your wild side. Yes. Yes. What is your wild side? <laughs> is this I mean we are a um we're not like a PG-13 or R-rated <laughs> podcast here. What is this wild side? Can you, you know, tell? Would you like to uh, <laughs> use my other voice? Okay. My wild side really was like my parents had three children each in different marriages. And then as they were older, they got married and had me. So everyone above me was much, much older and they were having children. So my nieces and nephews were millennials. And then um, everyone else was older than me. And then I was just kind of by myself. So I was a loner in the sense of the word, like, 
it would storm at the beach and everyone would be like, oh, stay inside because, you know, it's dangerous. And I was like, I'm going outside. I don't know why all you people are staying inside. <laughs> I would go to the beach in storms. I remember one time, you know, I would just kind of push the limits. I'd look at the lifeguard and I'd point to the water and be like, I'm going in. And he was like, don't do it. And I would jump in and I learned a lesson, sure, that mm -hmm. particular day that I jumped in and the waves almost took me down. Like, Do you have to be rescued? Whatever. No, I did no? not. Okay. No, but that made me feel good, you know, as a strong swimmer that I could swim out of it. But mm -hmm. I still realized, like, I was very close to death right there. I've been in a couple of near-death situations that were pretty interesting. So I learned from each one of them. Some of them are not because of anything I did. It was just, you know, the luck of the draw or the timing, that type of thing. But I think my wild side with regards to growing up in the beach on Long Island was um, I would go there when it was storming. I'd go there in winter. I would go at night like it was just my place my wild place to be and so i would bike all the way down to the beach and people were like you just biked all the way to the beach, and you're gonna bike back and i was like yeah it's no big thing i would bike all around town and people would just marvel at this and i thought well this is just who i am so doing that on the east coast was a strange thing but when i came to jackson i have to say you know when i moved here in 07 there weren't that many people or um, women on bikes in winter. So I ride in winter as well. Like biking is my passion. And uh, before fat bikes, I was just riding on my mountain bike. No studs. No study no tires. Nothing. I just ride around like. You brave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm burly. Yeah. I would have. I would like look like a ninja, right? Like someone would say, "Let's meet at the bagel place." Okay, I get to the bagel place and basically like disrobe, you know. And they were like, "Whoa!" Like you have like corporate clothes on underneath. This is crazy. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, like I'm not gonna start my car so that I can, you know, drive it five blocks because I live right in town. Mm -hmm. So. There was that part of me that was like, this is amazing. I love this. I want to bike in winter. I want to bike in summer. I want to bike in the rain. I want to bike all the time. And I did. And I still do. Maybe not all the time <laughs> anymore. But um, yeah, I biked here today. It's a little chilly out. It, it is touch chilly. <laughs> yes. It's supposed to snow tonight, I think. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I lit a fire this morning because Lewis is homesick. I've been home with him today. Was... The time that you jumped in the ocean during the storm, was that a near-death experience? Yes. It was. It okay. Was. I was 16 years old, and I thought I knew what's what. Mm -hmm. I was a very strong swimmer, and I think uh, I was strong. Like, I think you, maybe I was 15. I'm not sure if I was 15 or 16, because I think to be a lifeguard, you had to be 17. So, yeah, maybe I was 16. And um, I just remember just being like, I'm a strong swimmer. I want to see if I can do this. <laughs> and no one was the waves were like over six feet tall I but whoa they were high waves mm -hmm. and i just jumped on in and so yeah you know i tumbled around in that water and i went to go but like okay well i'm gonna get back up and i couldn't get back up and it was more of a grounding your face into the earth kind of feeling hmm. well i'm glad that you were a you are a strong swimmer and that you survived that. Yes. Because otherwise we wouldn't be here today. That's right. Yes. I was able to get myself out of there. Yes. And I think everyone watched me like, that stupid teenager. <laughs> so 
you considering yourself as cutting edge on the world of social media, you calling it social network working in the early days. Back in the day. Back in, back in the days. Back in aught seven. <laughs> <laughs> When it was the big five only, right? Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, and blogging. What was something that you did that, that other people were not doing at that time that was just really innovative for people? In the social media world? Yes. What was innovative? I think I went to the chamber and I said to them, please let me do a social media seminar for the community. These people are like clamoring for answers. I think people were just so unsure of how to use it that it was like, please let me do this one presentation so I can try to clear things up for people. I had taken it upon myself to watch some um, influencers, basically what they call them today. They weren't called that back then. But there were these people that were like, I know LinkedIn the best. You know? And you're like, <laughs> yes, you do. I need to learn from you how to use LinkedIn. So those originals that came up, like Mari Smith from Facebook, and you know, there's other people that have come up through the ranks with different uh, social media platforms. There was some social media, you know, academy that said, hey, we're going to put all these experts together. I think today we call them, you know, like, what do they call them when you can join the... Oh, like a cohort. Like a conference. Uh Uh-huh. So it was like a conference, but you could get credits and have this, you know, social media certificate and really teach businesses how to use it. And I was so drawn to that that I was like, I need to take this certificate class and really learn from these people. And that's what I did. I applied for a Wyoming workforce training grant and they gave it to me, even though they were like, so what are you doing? (laughs) We're not really sure we get that either. And then after I took that certificate and helped a few clients, the state hired me. So I used to go around, well, I used to uh, do calls mm-hmm. with clients all around the state of Wyoming to help them with their small businesses. And that was through a grant through the Obama administration. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you got paid yes. to travel and see. Well, I didn't really travel. We did calls. Oh, Although, okay. One of my most favorite clients, I mean, sh- you know, all my clients are my favorite. <laughs> I've worked with almost 150 here in town. That's quite quite mm-hmm. a few. Um, but this, this client was out of town because I met them through the Wyoming State program. And uh, it's Merlin's Hideout in Thermopolis. So they're a tannery. And I mean, I've traveled all over Wyoming on my own so that I could understand really what Wyoming's about mm-hmm. and why sometimes people from Jackson Hole get a bad rap, so to speak, like when you go to other areas, because Jackson is this very different place. And so when you go to other parts of Wyoming, I think it's very important to respect what they're about and how they do things. I went to Casper and I shot shotguns, clays, and I won stakes. I think that's awesome, right? You well, okay. Um, <laughs> you went to Casper and you shot clay pigeons yeah. with shotguns, yeah. and the prize were stakes. Ribeyes. Ribeyes. Not just any steak. Okay, all right. Just needed to make sure people yeah. listening 
we're clear on that. I totally followed, but <laughs> if people aren't familiar with what you were talking about, they wouldn't From have followed. From a local cow, of course. Of right? course. Yeah, that was not hit by a car. It was purposely slaughtered. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all of these different areas around Wyoming have their own thing. You yes. Thermopolis is all about the hot springs, but there's different things there that mean different things to them. Mm -hmm. So Merlin's Hideout is a, a wonderful little tannery, and they do... Um, all kinds of different artistic, uh, you know, things with fur in a sustainable way. So I got them all the way up, like, with their Facebook page. Because <laughs> originally, Barb called me. She's like, okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't want to do this. I said, well, Barb, I'm going to change your mind on some stuff, okay? We're going to work on this. This was, again, through the state. And they became so popular. So this is like one of my big client wins that I just adore that this happened to them. Um, Quentin Tarantino got in touch with them and had them make eight buffalo coats for the Hateful Eight. Nice. Mm -hmm. Good work, Rose. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't a, they were a client before then, but we worked them up to that place. They were, they were recognized. They were recognized. And I worked their Facebook page for like five years. Mm-hmm. Just at a low level, just kind of like, yeah, we'll just kind of, you know, we're going to try this angle, we're going to try this angle, and and it and it worked for them. And now they have other people that can handle their stuff, and they get lots of likes and comments, which is great. But you have to start with that trust, right, in the community, because that's what social media is about. I agree with you. Yes, social media is about trust. But being a business owner myself, I feel that just business in general, whoever your customer is and the people that work with you, it's all about trust. Yes. In every relation, well, every relationship, whether your business or personal life, it's all about trust. And, and it's I, the way you communicate with someone because indeed. everyone wants to be communicated with differently. Mm -hmm. So that's why having the degree that I have, I'm able to understand the nuances of communicating to different types of groups mm -hmm. and how that relates back to an audience either liking what you're saying or doing or maybe just kind of disconnecting and being like, just not my bag, baby. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. I get it. So, Rose, we're going to take a quick break and get a word from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. What is your passion? Do you know what it really means to give it your all? Well, the folks at Giver, this is their passion. It is what gets them out of bed every morning to chug a half gallon of coffee and eat a one-pound burrito and give the rest of the day everything they just ate and more. Giver, to give it your all. Check out their selection of personalized, branded, kick-ass gloves and more at the jacksonholeconnection.com slash giver, G-I-V-E-R. My pick last year was the Old Faithful Top. You have not experienced comfort until you've pulled one of these bad boys on. Trust me. Now, go giver. So we were just talking about the businesses that some businesses that you helped and and you mentioned something really important that is really strikes to the heart of me and my businesses and that's trust and i appreciate you saying that because i'm sure that's really important for you because you identified it as what you had to create with your customers especially so because on the east coast um there wasn't a transparency that i could see mm. and so you know, the backstabbing that can go on in the corporate world. I experienced a lot of that, in addition mm -hmm. to a lot of people stealing my ideas. And I didn't really understand what that was until 
I came here and realized, oh my gosh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, that is what I am. Because people would pick up my resume and they'd say, you've been working at all these places. Like, what about every three years you like move? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what's that about? Because, you know, in the corporate world, sometimes originally they didn't like to see that you jumped all around. And I right. said, well, I helped the business as much as I felt I could and then I moved on to the next business that needed help and they were like oh but I didn't realize (laughs) until I moved here and started my businesses that I am a true entrepreneur that is what I am and I'm actually different in the sense of the word because I'm a one-woman show so I'm a solopreneur it's a little bit different but you have that drive whether you're entrepreneur or with many employees or just a few employees or just by yourself you have a spectacular drive and you're willing to take a risk yes which always. a lot of a lot of people are not willing to take yes indeed my parents were both solopreneurs as well so my father was a masonry contractor uh-huh. he worked alone and my mother um was uh a companion to mm-hmm. older folks and she actually worked with other women to place them in jobs and I remember being young maybe in my young 20s and my dad had said why are you gonna work for these companies like you know you should just work on your own like like your old man you know and I was like dad like I don't know enough stuff yet I need these guys to pay me so I can learn but I remembered after he passed away that that was something that was his fire to pass along to me to say, you should just be doing this on your own. You're smart enough. And and that is also part of my drive. It was my parents kind of saying, wow, you're going to do this. Okay, you should do this because you can. My, I remember something very specific my mother said to me on a plane ride when I was probably about 10 years old and we were sitting on the plane. And my dad must have been across the aisle. And so my mom and I were alone sitting together. And the, what we used to call them stewardesses passed by, but now we call them flight attendants, right? And she said, you know, Rose, you could be a flight attendant if you want to be. And I'm 10 years old, so I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and she said, but you know what? You could also fly this plane if you want. You could be the pilot. And again, I'm 10, so I'm like, no, oh, whatever. Right? <laughs> but I remember... After that flight ended, my mom waited in the seat with me, let everyone pass through, and then we got to meet the pilot, and we took a picture with the pilot, and I got those plastic wings mm-hmm. on the pin, and we all we took a picture of my mom, the pilot, and me. And that story stuck with me, because I could have, she wanted to make sure that she knew I could be anything I wanted. And that was something that really just opened me up in every way. To just say, you know, I can do this. Oh, I'm going to move over to this job because this is manufacturing. I'm curious about injection molding. People would be, you know, like most people don't know my background in the corporate world. And I have a lot of it. And it's really interesting stuff. So I have a lot of, you know, information that I know from the past about injection molding. And, uh, you know, passing along working for symbol technologies with the barcode patents and palm pilots and just all kinds of inter... I was always... I wanted to do something else, you know? And I think that's why I love working with my clients here in Jackson because I always feel like a new client with a new type of product is like this enigma. Like, how do you? How would you? Like, what's the tone of voice? How do you communicate with them? What's the story? That's what, you know, gives me the joy of working with a client is 
talking with them about the things they could do to improve and then from there them going oh or like this aha moment like oh this is this is it like this is what I was missing so you know having that just immediate experience with technology and communications because that is my background my undergraduate is in communications public relations and I have some coursework in TV and radio and then um, my master's degree is in technological systems management so when social media came along for me I saw it right away it was like the perfect fit like oh this makes sense yes technology and communication let's do this I love the vision way to go <laughs> and and you did so much stuff you you had so many well let's say different careers yeah you've had lots of different careers and and I give kudos to you because it's not just that you're willing to try something new and wanted to learn something new but you really took away you know tidbits from each different industry that you're in to where some people move on because they're like, well, I don't like this job, so I need to go find another job. It, it doesn't sound like that was you at all. No, but I knew a lot of people like that. <laughs> yeah, and and they never they never take anything with them, meaning the knowledge that they could take or the exper and the experience. They never take that with them because right. it was somebody else's fault versus them taking respons responsibility for their for their own benefit and what they're going to get out of that job. Right. That career at and that as time. I said, I didn't really know I was an entrepreneur until I came here because mm -hmm. when I came to Jackson, I had seven job offers. Seven. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't know. I just feel like I want to do something different. I've never started a business. Maybe I'll try that. That was literally my thinking. Started it in the downturn, and both of them, and then just kind of ate out of soup cans and went from there. I love it. Yeah. And so. Tell me, what is the other business that you have? So I own another business where I do professional voice work called Rose Recordings, LLC. And that's where I do voicemail recordings, uh, videos on YouTube. I've done the, we were talking before about the Travel Stories GPS and how I was the voice of Grand Teton National Park. And I've done all kinds of things, commercials. Um, I used to work for the radio station when it was Jackson Hole Radio, which it is again. Yeah. I'm happy about that. And, um, you know, uh, community radio, I had a show for five years called Local Lady Talk that I researched, I voiced, and I produced. And it was a lot of work. <laughs> and I didn't feel like I got enough playtime for what... The work that I put in. So after five years, I called it quits. But that was when podcasting had started to kind of come up in the mm -hmm. ranks. So they called it like blog talk radio is what that was. It was moving into blog talk radio and then it moved to podcasting. And I just have never kind of moved there since. I've toyed around with a few ideas of things, you know, like businesses that need a voice here that could make a great podcast. Nothing has kind of come to fruition from all the brainstorming just yet. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that when your brainstorming session, <laughs> when during one of those brainstorming sessions, it will come to you and it will be magnificent of whatever you create. Oh, believe me. we Yeah. I brainstorm a lot with the uh, uh, Jackson Hole Radio just because I've worked there before mm -hmm. about different things and how to move things along and what people are doing in town. Just, you know, because... I think Scott Anderson would like to be on the edge and, and kind of move along his radio stations to 
really give that community feel and, and giving back in that sense as well. So he's always looking for, you know, what's best for his radio station as well as our community radio station. Mm-hmm. And you're the f- first person that I've had on here that does voice recordings. And so there's many aspects to it. It's not as though you're just recording your voice. What are the different aspects of your voice recordings? So you've done the narrative for travel stories. You're doing some commercials. Um, you, is it voice overs, overage? It's just called voiceovers. Okay. So um, I also do big e-learning projects for large uh, companies that have like sales teams that have to listen to training mm-hmm. with PowerPoints. And so I'll be the voice of the training. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And how does somebody find you that all about who you know, baby. <laughs> right? That's right. Well, True. You know, and old school Jackson still works that way. Uh-huh. Just signed a lease on another place, right? That I had a that I need to move into <laughs> before I get my affordable housing. That's like a whole another hot topic that uh, I'm very passionate about. But yeah, you know, um, voiceover is a very unique thing. When I came to Jackson, I met a gentleman who worked next door to where I worked. He was an older gentleman, and he was a SAG-AFTRA actor. So I was like, wow, that's cool. And he said, well, why don't you come over to my house? And I thought, what? But no, it wasn't really like that. He said, come over to my place, because I have a studio set up, and let's uh, let's see your recordings. I said, that's so cool. You do voiceover. I've done like voicemail systems, and people tell me that I have a great voice which you get a lot of in the business. People come up to you they're like, I've heard that I have a great voice. I should probably do voiceover, right? There's a lot much, there's a lot more than just recording a voiceover. It, it includes everything. It's like being an entrepreneur, the marketing, the accounting, you know, every part facet of it. But um, I went over to his house and we did, you know, he was like directing me. So he said, I printed out some scripts. I want you to read this. So, you know, and he'd say, all right, try it this way, like a little bit more passion or like twirl this word. And I'd be like, okay. And so he said, I actually saw that there's this, you know, um, it's an audition that people are going to put through to. It's for a woman in an English accent. And I said, oh, Bob, (laughs) my English accent's a little rusty. He said, no, 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 let me hear it. So I did the, you know, recording and he played it back and he said, what do you think? And I said, I think it's stinks (laughs) and he said I think it's great I'm gonna send it through on my name so he sent it through my voice track on his like account Uh saying this is Bob Stevenson because that was who taught me and from there the next day he gets an email saying congratulations out of the hundreds of people that submitted their demo for this particular commercial we selected you Wahoo! And he called me and he was like, if that ain't a sign, I don't know what it is. Because <laughs> remember, this was the first time I had ever even tried mm-hmm. it, right? So I, he helped direct me and this and that. I said, well, I, I got to give you like 10%, right? And he said, no, no, no. He said, this was a lesson in learning, even for myself, like the wow factor. Like sometimes you just have it. That's awesome. And how cool that he did that for you yes. and and that was in a way for him to pay it forward right. I'm, I'm sure somebody at some point in his life 
with what he was doing. Somebody helped him as well. Right. He taught me everything mm -hmm. in the recording business, what mic to get, what software, the everything that went with it. He taught me production, how to do, since I'm very good at technology, I picked it up quickly so it was easy to me. I could understand the nuances of the you know waves going up and down. I immediately got it. So it was like record, produce, got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I'm going to go do this. I went back to the state of Wyoming and I said, I would like, um, I, th I went through the women's business program. I said, I would like a grant so I can buy a computer and a microphone. And they were like, for what? And I said, for something called voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> right? Another like, oh, wait, explain to us what this means now. And so I explained it to them and they granted me the money and I was able to purchase the equipment. I pay my taxes on it and everything, and I do my recordings in my home. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love it. And do you think that that first recording that Bob did for you was part of it becoming used to listening and hearing your voice? I think it's difficult for a lot of people to listen to their own voice. It's even difficult for myself to listen to my own voice especially if I have to keep playing it back and trying to make the best recording ever, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, there's different ways to say different phrases and depending upon how long the project is, it just depends. But yeah, listening to your own voice is sometimes difficult to get used to. I, I remember when I first started the podcast side of things, people said, somebody told me, you got to get used to listening to your voice. So listen to it a lot because otherwise when you do hear it you're you're gonna think it's cocky yeah, it's hokey but it's helped and it, it, it's helped a lot right i mean that's true for i also used to be um a public speaking instructor at central wyoming college so i wanted to make that fun because you know there's some percentage out there that say they'd rather die than mm -hmm. give a public you know presentation so these kids were coming in, some were kids, some were older adults, and most people don't like public speaking. So I had to make it into this fun thing for them. And I think if you were to question them today, like, how was your instructor, Rose? They'd be like, oh my gosh, like, we went outside, she made us pick out like little pieces of paper from, you know, a hat, and I'd have to talk about a pencil for a minute. You know, there were these crazy ideas that I just came up with. And by the end of the class, everyone, like, had moved up several levels from where they were originally when it had to come to public speaking. So I think people can learn a lot about breathing. So my background, I have a music minor in my undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I had a scholarship in voice. So I was professionally trained how to sing and also how to speak. So... I think over the years, as time progressed, I got more and more stage fright about singing, even though I've, you know, gone over to Greece and sang an opera and I would travel to Canada and all these different basilicas and sing with groups, sing solos. I just got to this point when I was 22 and I was like, please don't make me sing because I would rather die. Hmm. Right? Because my heart would just like leap out of my chest and I couldn't, singing is a very personal thing for me. I can still sing, and I still have a very good singing voice, considering that I don't really rehearse it. 
at one point in my life, I thought maybe I would move in that direction, but I think the nerves got the best of me. So I'm a behind the scenes type of gal. I like to be behind the mic where no one can see me. I like to be teaching clients how to do things so that they can do it for themselves, right? These types of behind the scenes things is just the type of person I am. A solopreneur. Right. Yes. That's me. The Welcome solopreneur. <laughs> and with the voice over, you said that you did some YouTube videos. Yes. What are some of those videos? Can people see those? Um, they're they? old. They're definitely in the system. There's some old ones. I worked with uh, Circa Mero when it was Circa Mero. Uh-huh. I think now it's Circa Media, they call it. Yeah. Um, worked with them on a client on uh, just like explainer videos. So click here for the file. After clicking file, then press select. After you press select, right, so that whole... I can totally hear you in a phone tree yes. when I'm calling somebody. And I love being that woman. I love to be the voicemail. If I were to record voicemail recordings all, all day, I would just be like a happy as clam. Huh. <laughs> yep. Well, you get that, everybody. If you need somebody to record the voicemail for your phone or your business, just get in touch with those. She'll, she'll take care of you real fast. <laughs> yeah, I have a professional demo on YouTube. So if you searched my name, Rose Kayaza, which you know have to you have to know how to spell it, um, telephone demo, you would actually find it because no one has my last name with telephone demo with it. <laughs> well, Rose, I've so much enjoyed having you here and talking about your life and what landed you here and all of your experiences. If there is something that a little tidbit that you want to share with people before you leave that has helped you along the way of what you've accomplished in life, what would that be? You know, I'd say I feel so connected to this community. And in my past life in the corporate world or growing up as a child, I never really felt as connected as I do in this community. Don't give up on Jackson. It may be changing. And it may be changing in ways that you see that don't quite fit your ideal. But it is still a beautiful place with beautiful people and beautiful ideas. And I know that our area here in Jackson Hole will continue to thrive. Yeah. Well, thank you. And if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way or the ideal way for somebody to connect with you? Sure. Um, I would say if you're an Insta fan, you can find me very easily just by searching Jackson Hole Rose. The original, by the way. Now everyone's Jackson Hole something, this or that. There's all <laughs> kinds of Jackson Hole with someone's name. but um, So you can find me there. Or if you prefer Facebook, you can find me there um, at facebook.com forward slash Rose Consulting. Cool. Or forward slash Rose voiceover. I love it. Fantastico. Rose, I know that you have a place to go because your phone chimed for you. Yes, it did. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate yours. Thanks for having me. Indeed. Have a good day. To learn more about Rose and her special social media skills, please visit jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 61. I really do love hearing from my listeners and subscribers. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email, connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. Please remember to visit giver.com. That's G-I-V-E-R.com to see what's happening in their world. I could not create this podcast without the support of my lovely wife, Laura. 
my editor, Michael Mori, my musical director, Luke Taylor, and my marketing guru, Tana Hoffman. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.